This is the True North Collective podcast, a gathering of unsugarcoated conversations on authenticity, created by the real-life documentation of everyday humans fearlessly finding their true north. Welcome to season four of the podcast. Hi, I'm Rachel. My dad taught me about basic plumbing last night. Stickers are making a major comeback in my life, and I'm hella interested in my ancestors right now. Hi, I'm Lori, and I have my eye on a VW Camper Westphalia so I can go and travel the world. I speak three languages, and I despise lentils. Hi, I'm Janelle. My dog ate my shorts last night. According to my whoop, my body loves San Luis Obispo, and I have a National Parks pin collection. And we are your hosts of the True North Collective podcast. <laughs> I like did eat my shorts last night. I woke up to that. No, that's because you have your period. It's because you have your period, dude. And I left them and like staying at my friend's house and I like they were just sitting out and it's like fucking like those are so expensive. Yeah. And that's something we get people when I worked at, at the store in Lululemon, we'd have people come in all the time with their and they'd try to like come up with excuses that would be reasonable <laughs> for how we <laughs> and we'd be like, no, you're fucking animal. <laughs> Eat the crotch of your shorts. That's just happened. And they're like, no, no, I don't know what happened. They got caught in the washer. And it's like, no, they did it. Does the replace that? Yeah. I mean, these are no. Nike shorts, but <laughs> I mean, you might as well try. That's what I would always say to people. I'd be like, hey, it's worth a try, right? Like, I what? think if I just went, that's not and... a quality issue. That's a your dog eat your dirtiness. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what happened. So. <laughs> Super fun. Love being on my period. Love at least when my dog eats my shorts. <laughs> at least it's your dog. When I go to True. visit my brother, their dog will like get into my la- dirty laundry bag. And so they're always like, put your shit up high <laughs> so that Sumo doesn't keep getting your dirty underwear. That's what I normally do. And <laughs> totally forgot last night. Okay. So anyway, Lori, what languages do you speak? <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, I speak... Italian was my first language because my parents are immigrants from Italy. Um, And then when I was five, uh, they moved us to Montreal. So I speak Canadian French. And then, of course, I speak English. So where in Italy are they from? Near Rome. Well, in Rome. Okay. So Mm -hmm. this is, I, that's what were one of my random facts. Okay. Long story short, I was trying to get dual citizenship in Mm -hmm. Texas because the, um, I cannot remember the name of it because it's too early in the morning. The place where you go to apply for your citizenship, um, is like really good in Texas. It happens really fast. I'm now in California. It's going to take forever, but I still want to do it. But I had a conversation with, um, a person who was talking about how they're reconnecting to their native American, Mm -hmm. um, lineage, their Haida lineage. And in association with another conversation we were having, he was like, how the hell do you know who you are if you don't know where you came from? And I like, he was talking to to himself, but I was like, I wrote it down and I haven't been able to stop thinking about it. And it's, I, I'm like, I actually don't know a lot about like the rituals and the, the aspects of my ancestry. And um, I do know that they were from Northern, Northern um, Italy they were somehow connected to silk farmers, but apparently they weren't. So I'm going to start a whole thing. My, my Italian grandma is about to turn 104 and uh, she's living with her daughter who's in her seventies now. 
and they have access to Zoom. So I'm going to start having weekly conversations with her and just be like, start from the beginning, Nana. And like, just see what she remembers so that I can try to capture. She's the last one. And then it's like, how much stuff is just going to get lost? I'm like, anyways, I divulge. But Italian, there's so many similarities between us. This is funny. And bring her on the podcast. Sorry. Oh, for <laughs> sure. <Zoom> now. <laughs> and I know. I was like, holy shit. I it's know. a sign. Okay, it sorry. What were you going to say, Lori? <laughs> I was just going to say, like, growing up in a, in a in a family where we were more Italian than anything else was the coolest thing. It really defined like who I was. So whatever information you could get would be fantastic because also too, you know, um, my mom might kill me for this, but you know, they're very proud to be a hundred percent Italian. And then when my grandmother passed away, we then realized that she had a German last name. So now the joke is, mom, you're not 100% Italian, right? But it's just like the borders dividing, like changing and with the war and all that. So I would be so excited to find out her story, especially being Northern Italy where, you know, they border France and all of that. It's going to be an amazing thing to discover. Well, even when I was digging in the first time, which I know this is not what we're like ultimately going to talk about, but when we were first digging in, or when I was first digging into this, I, we, I ended up finding out that my grandfather or no, my great, I, now I'm going to forget because it's been a while. I got to dig it all back up. But basically I, I actually qualify through both of my Italian grandparents. And then the, one of the reasons that I really qualify is that they moved them over here and then he went back and fought for the Italians. And I was just like, holy shit, I didn't know that. So it's just like crazy stuff that like, I like, I just have to get the information. I have to get the information. And like how many of us are walking around, especially like Americans, I feel like we just don't have a, not I feel, I know the majority do not have like a, a, protocol is the word I'm thinking of. I can't think of anything better Um, for passing down those stories so that you can really know like where in your ancestry is some of your stuff. I'm doing a lot of trauma work. And so it's like, what, what, what were the generational repeating traumas that I experienced? And then on the positive side too, like where, what are the things that were always celebrated that were important to celebrate? And those for sure influenced who I am today. And I just have no, like, that's, we just didn't talk about it. A lot of people I don't think did. Um, Anyways, I have like so many thoughts on it and I'm going to (laughs) just reel it in, Vladi. What I love about it too, and why I loved um, growing up really in Montreal is that, you know, it's different from the United States. There they embrace the fact that like you're Italian, like your heritage. So you're Italian, but you're also Canadian, right? So they embrace their heritage side and try not to be as much of a melting pot. And that's like really cool because it's still like that today. So here I feel people shy away sometimes from some of their, you know, um, rituals and they try to kind of blend in a little bit more, but there it's just like, be proud of it. What's funny is that maybe I'm messing up the definition of melting pot, but to me, that's more acknowledging of a melting pot than trying to be like, okay, we're all these things, but we're just going to, we don't see any of it. 
we're just all actually the same. And it's like, no, I want to know. We've had people on the podcast before um, where we talked about like, don't think because you've met, you've, you've finally become friends. I'm saying it that way because that's how it is for a lot of people. You finally realize or become friends with a trans person. And then you now think, you know, like you've now extrapolated that one person's story to everything. And I feel the same way with the cancer story that I have, you know, um, for a lot of time I was like, you read all the books and the stories of like the, the people who come out of it being like, my life has changed and I have all this clarity and it's so like blah, blah, blah. And that's not what my experience was like. And so it took, it's taken me many, many years to even be able to own my version, my version of the cancer story and to know that there's nothing wrong with me. And I, as much as social media has, you know, it's, it's things that work against stuff that has given me a space, a community where I, my, my version of the story feels seen without feeling isolated. And, and I think that does go back to the ancestry conversation that we're having too, which is like being able to own your unique stuff so that not only you know what you're bringing to the table, but you can then be that curious about others too. Um, because without going to that depth with yourself, like, I mean, you, I think you still can be that curious with other people. I guess I have been, and now it's flipping. <laughs> so maybe it doesn't really matter the where it starts, but it, it does feel really important for me right now. So, yeah. And I love that because having been there myself, right? Like, so I moved to Canada when I was five and it was one of those things that, um, they used to make fun of me because I was American. So I found myself like trying to be more like them than more like me. And then when we moved back to the United States, then everybody thought I was Canadian. So I spent my whole life trying to just hide who I was. And then like you add the Italian part on top of it too. So it was kind of like one of those things that I just went inward and I didn't really thank you because I'm finally realizing I went inward and I wasn't sharing my true self because I didn't want to get made fun of, right? Like, so people would always say I had an accent or that, you know, my my thought process was, was a little bit different from the norm. So yeah, thank you for that. Cause I just realized that that's where it started where I kind of wouldn't share my true self because of it. Yeah. Yeah, I've been wrestling with it hard the last 24 hours. I'm like really, really in it, so. Yeah both my grandparents immigrated to the United States when they were in their thirties, but interestingly enough, and maybe because it was later in their life and that was so much a part of their life, we actually held on to quite a, like a a large majority of like our German traditions. And they would go in Milwaukee, there's a group called the Shinsheimer group. And do you know what I'm talking about? And yeah, we would go like as kids and they would do all like the really German things. And it was basically just a bunch of German immigrants that sort of felt, I think it like misfits. Cause even my grandparents, it's like, they hardly could speak English when they came here. And I mean, my Oma, even to the day she died in her nineties, like she still couldn't really write it. You know, there was like a, definitely a language barrier. Um, in some aspects or like, you know, couldn't pronounce things correctly. And I like, I know they both struggled with that deeply but what was cool for me growing up is that we didn't lose like lose that heritage like you guys were talking about because I know other people are like well 
if you're like, what are you? And they're like, I don't know, some sort of European white, you know, they don't really know. And, or they're like, oh, I'm probably German, but we have no connection to it. And I'm like, no, I got those deep German roots. We, you know, I got that German slang, you know, so it's kind of fun to like be able to acknowledge that. And I know that not everyone has that, but I have an appreciation for it for sure. Oh, definitely. I agree. It, it defined who I am and especially how I relate to people, having that heritage like alive and real um, for us in our house. But it was really weird that I found that I needed to hide it just so I didn't get made fun of. Does that make sense? Like when you're a kid, you kind of do all yes. these weird things. So, well, okay. This is not at all the same, but when I moved to California, everyone thought I was Canadian because I have a Wisconsin accent, not because I'm actually Canadian. Well, I am French Canadian too, but in my lineage, but, um, and someone the other day told me I have a California accent. It, it's a whole thing, but I was like so excited because even being in California, I like try to suppress my Wisconsin accent because I get sick of people calling it out and having to be like, no, I'm not Canadian. I'm from Wisconsin, you know, and it's the same thing. I mean, like probably to a way lesser extreme and I'm an adult, so I can manage it better, but I, I get that. You know, it's funny. I, because I'm on Enneagram four, which means that I want to be the most unique, special individual, like nobody is anywhere near similar. And so when that would happen to me, I would be like, yes, and then I would like try, <laughs> but you're more like my mom. My mom was like, I don't want anyone to know that I grew up in Sheboygan, Wisconsin. Um, and Janelle, do you, did they ever sing the song? I'm going to fuck it up, but whoop I dee whoop I die something, something. No, probably there's okay. So my family loves to sing songs in German. There's so many, Same but most of most of them, like the main ones, have you ever heard the chant the zigzag, zigzag, hoi, hoi, hoi? Oh, yeah. So yes. All the time. That's like multiple times in a night. And then the, um, I'm like, I'm so bad at my German too. So if anyone's listening that I actually speak German, they're like, oh. but it's basically like a song about being drunk and getting drunk. And so a lot more like, yeah, heavy drinking songs. I just appreciate this because I just told my parents last night that I, feel like a big part of me not knowing who I am and me feeling I'm in a major transition period in my life right now and I'm realizing that like this history of where I've come from and who came before I came out of the womb like who what got me to be here is like lost and on me it's been lost on me and I would like to reclaim it and um my mom's side of the family always is singing those crazy songs. And when all her sisters come together, it's like, it's how I should actually record her singing one after this and we can put it in. That's what we're going to, that's what I'm going to do. Cause she for sure will. Dude, I definitely have the songs recorded too. So we'll just do a little like mashup. <laughs> I'm going to DJ this shit. <laughs> that's so funny. I love it. All right. Yeah, let's introduce. <laughs> I, okay. This is why I love these conversations. Cause that was not what all I thought I was going to talk about this morning and it's already been great, but let's introduce Lori. Before we introduce Lori, I'm really excited to share that the third episode of that girl got ghosted my YouTube series where I take Tinder dates into haunted hotels is live. You can check it out. We'll drop a link in the show notes. If you haven't heard me talk about it before, this has really just been an experiment and an opportunity for me to hone in on my video editing skills. But That Girl Got Ghosted is a mashup of The Bachelor, 
ghost adventures and catfish all in one. It's fun, it's silly, it's cute, it's a little spooky, but in the best sort of way. I would love to have you all check it out. This episode, I am in Bisbee, Arizona with Cam, a video editor from Denver, Colorado. All right, let's introduce Lori. So, Lori, I don't know. This is why I can't do things in the morning. (laughs) Hi, I'm going to actually introduce you. I'm going to edit all this (laughs) All right. Welcome no, don't the- do it. <laughs> this is why I was like, we need to switch the recording time to not 6 a.m. on a Saturday. All right. Welcome to the podcast, Lori Marnie, who is a motivational coach, a author, and a speaker who specializes in empowering women during their healing journey after a life crisis. Lori has a master's in in health science as a pathologist assistant and has worked in the academic hospital system as a tumor expert for 20 years. She is also an ACC accredited certified coach by the International Coaching Federation and is the founder and owner of Lori Manny Coaching and the host of Conversations with Courageous Cancer Warriors podcast, which we were totally on. You should check out our episode because Rachel shares her story. Welcome to the podcast, Lori. I'm sure I fucked a ton of stuff up because I feel like my brain is not working. You know, I was like, Jill, have you had your Celsius yet? I'm consuming it right now. Is that awful? I'm this so is sorry, amazing. Lori. No, if Lori's okay with it, I really think we should keep it because that was the most real thing ever. I'm totally fine with it. It's amazing. <laughs> Okay, I'm so, like, this is Janelle for real. She's here. <laughs> I didn't know. I have this thing and I get really nervous when I do it. Like I'm, this is going to make me the least qualified podcast host. But when I see names, I can't pronounce, like, I panic. I know. I could like okay. feel the panic within you. <laughs> I hate it. Like, do you ever worry? <laughs> and your name is, is like phonetically spelled exactly how it's. <laughs> I do. I used to do it at the studio all the time. Like I would refuse to say people's names because I'd look at them and I'd be like. Did you ask them too? And then yes. After, and then once I and then ask, once they and then I but, panic even and then more you forget. I already asked. <laughs> yes. No, but I even wrote it down. Like I have it written down phonetically. I'm like Marn. I see. Well, I don't know. Why I can't even say it. I'm looking at it phonetically. My brain's not working. <laughs> I absolutely love this. And yes, I understand because I do the same thing. If they tell me that their name is pronounced differently than what I have in my head, then yes. I literally go blank and then I screw it up mm-hmm. even more. So yeah. So I like asked me- you it and then the pressure was on. <laughs> no worries. No worries. So my name is Marini and it's spelled Marini. like martini without the T. So I wrote it down. I really wrote M-A-R dash E-E dash me like the word. Oh, but I don't know. Whatever. I fucked it up. I'm sorry, Laurie. Welcome to the podcast. <laughs> Okay, I'm gonna ask the first question. <laughs> Give Janelle like a minute. Okay, Lori, how today are you living your true north? How does that show up for you today? Oh my goodness. You know, I love this question because I find that I every morning I wake up and I say to Dan, We woke up today 
it's going to be a great day. We made it, right? And from there, you could do nothing but have an amazing day with that intention started. Um, and we have been nomads, really. Like my gypsy heart has been screaming. So we've, we've moved a ton. And I feel that we finally landed in a spot where it's where we're supposed to be. So we finally landed in Tampa. Um, it's a great little city. It's just really fantastic. It's by the ocean. So it's just, it's exactly where I wanted to be. And it's one of those things that it took a lot of sacrifice to get here. We had to leave family and we're really close to our families. Um, but we just knew that there was another place we needed to be, you know? So we kind of went against what our, everyone else's expectations were and, and kind of figured out where we needed to be. And we tried different places and it just, they just didn't resonate. So this is like, we're super excited about it. When this is like kind of a rabbit hole question. <laughs> so sorry. Janelle shuts down. I act, I'm like, hello. Well, let's talk about the philosophies of life. <laughs> uh, Anyways, um, this is kind of a chicken or egg. It's probably both, but do you think that your nomadic tendencies have lended, have allowed you to step more into your authenticity? Or do you think that your authentic self just happens to be nomadic? I think it's a little bit of both, right? So growing up, we had a really strict childhood, right? And so I literally, I had to stay within the rules because I didn't want to get into trouble. But I also found a way for me to kind of feed that adventurous side of me. So I, I got really good at not telling people where I was doing and avoiding and like, but still kept it within the confines of what I knew would not be pushing the envelope too far over that people would start paying attention. So that definitely started when I was a kid, but, um, and, and, and now it's just one of those things that I embrace the fact that, you know, I am a gypsy at heart. I, I get bored really easily if I don't have that sense of adventure. So I create it for myself in my everyday life where I always, you know, have and I think that's why the city life like fits me because I always look for a different path home. I always look for the adventure in my everyday. If that answers your question, kind of. <laughs> yeah, it, to it totally does. Love that. Because I'm, I think where a lot of us are, but like I'm the same way too. Like I need, I like, well, I haven't had like any routine in my life lately. So if I don't for a long time, it does get to me, but same thing, like adventurous and I like the call out to like just taking a different path home or I'm the same way like with trails like I'll, I'll redo like a hiking trail of course but I need like a good new one at least like twice a week just to like be like where does this path go to like satisfy that that curiosity but I like that call out of like making little adventures in your everyday life because I don't know if I've thought or phrased it that way but I'm going to borrow that. Um, when you think about your childhood and the fact that you, I, I all, I'm like, wow, you, you are, we're, we're all such kindred from the same cut from the same, I can't, I don't ever remember how those, all those phrases, you goes, but I think you know what you're trying cloth. to say. Yep. That's the one. Got it. I got something this morning. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
So I can totally relate to that idea of like, I'm going to be fringy enough without going so far that I don't alienate myself, Um, which I think has been a major self-sabotage on my part for a very long time. And I'm very grateful to be at a point in my life where I am recognizing that and saying, if I allowed myself to really go where I want to go, what would I do right now? And then doing it. Um, But the question is, as a kid, can you remember maybe an example or something that you know you would have done if you hadn't been like controlling yourself? Mm, You know, it was hard because we grew up really with that a lot, right? Like we never felt like we were poor, but like my parents struggled, right? So, you know, um, but so there was a lot of things that I wanted to do that we couldn't afford to do. That's one of the things like play active sports, right? Like I wanted to do gymnastics my whole entire life, but we couldn't afford it. Right. So it was like things like that, that I feel parts of who I am as a being didn't get developed early on because of the limitations that we had within our environments, you know, and, and it's one of those things that I often wonder, like, okay, if I had done, you know, sports at an earlier age, like, who would I be now, right? Because I find that active sports and community and group sports are so important to your development as a person. And not having that, and learning that later on in life, really made me realize what a missing that was early on. And I'm not here to say like, my parents did bad and wrong, like they did the best that they could. But um, I, I just realized that there was so many other things that I would want to do, right? Like I, I lived in Canada and I never downhill skied. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's like insane. We cross country skied because it was in our backyard, but I never knew how to ski. And that's like, I didn't learn how to ski until I was like 21 years old. Like it's insane when I think back on it of the opportunities missed. And that's, but that's so true. Even like, because I've kind of lived in a lot of different places too, as has Janelle, but um, there was a certain point in the moving. I should actually figure out how many places I've moved and how many, it's insane. It's just kind of like what you said. We're like, since we talked last, I've moved three times. It's like, and then people are like, huh? Anyways, I lost my train of thought. We're solid this morning. (laughs) I love you guys. Like, honestly, (laughs) you are the best. Thank you, Laura. I'm glad you appreciate this. <laughs> so people are going to listen to this and be like, this girl's also oh disrespectful. God. She can't even introduce the guest, right? I know. <laughs> Shit. It's okay. Okay, so I'm going to kind of just switch gears, if that's okay, for personal reasons. I would love to hear from you um, as a cancer survivor, how cancer impacted your authenticity? Oh, I love this question. You know what? I hmm. How do I want to start this one? Is where I am right now. Um, honestly, I realized that life is short, right? Like I did all the things. I I was successful, I was healthy, I did the workouts, I did everything I needed to do. I worked in the field, so I felt like really like ahead of the game because I knew it. Um, And then when it happened to me, I was like, what the hell? 
Like how, how is this happening? And it was, it came from left field. Like I said, I was eating healthy, you know, all natural products in my house, like working out. And, um, and then when I found that I had cancer on my baseline, I was like, wait a second, this is some bullshit, right? So I went through the motions. I knew what I had to do. Like, you know, once you get cancer, you go on autopilot with your treatments. You don't really think about it. You just go from appointment, appointment to appointment, and you just keep going until you're done. Right. And then after I was at a point where I was almost done, um, I'll never forget it. I was living in Boston at the time. So I was very, very blessed to be in a city that had such amazing healthcare. And I was working by, you know, the universe put me exactly where I needed to be. Um, I left a job after 13 years to go work in Boston for Dana-Farber. And my boss at the time happened to be like a world leading breast oncologist. So like he was my first phone call. He really set me up to win, right? And I'll never forget it. I was going back to work after 12 weeks of being on leave because I kept having complications with my surgeries and I had my parka on. It was in the middle of the winter. I had like my, literally it went down to my ankles. I had my hat. I had my scarf. Like I was completely covered and anyone who has breast implants under your pectoralis muscles know that the second you're cold, your muscles constrict. It is the most painful thing that you ever experience. And so I'm sitting there. It's like, I don't know. It was maybe like 15 degrees. The wind was howling through the streets. I was trying to walk to the tee that was like maybe two blocks. And that happened to me, even with this warm parka. And I said to myself, why do I live here? Like what keeps me here? And it was that moment where I'm like, I got to get out. And it just started what I knew I truly wanted. I had talked about it for years that I wanted to be in a tropical climate, that I wanted palm trees in my life and all, all, all the other considerations of why I shouldn't do that for myself always won. And this time I'm like, I literally went to my family and I'm like, this is the deal. Like within the next year, I will not be in the Northeast anymore. Like I'm out, see you later. And it probably took me, you know, my dad ended up, getting sick. So it delayed the process a little bit, but once I knew he was good and he was taken care of, it was like, adios, see you later. And I haven't looked back. And it's to the point that my sister has now moved to the South. My parents are about to sell their house and move to the South. Like it's a migration down and I'm just, I'm like, awesome. I'm so excited. So it, oh, go ahead, Janelle. I was just going to say, I love that. Like I, I talk a lot about when you're doing something and like, in a, for me, it's like family unit, cause I'm very similar, like family all in the Midwest, whatnot. And how, when that one person takes the leap that like everyone else is always like toyed with, it's like, I can never do it. I can never do that. No, that's not what my life looks like. Like I get a lot of that, at least in um, my community and where I come from. And just like you being the person to be willing to take the risk and then everyone else being like, oh, it actually might be okay. Like we, we can do these things that seem really scary and being that modeling for them to open doors for other people. Like that is a perfect little story that you described. And I know for me, when I feel guilty about leaving my family, because they are all like 
basically in the same town, same neighborhood. I'm like, well, hopefully if anyone feels called or inspired to ever want to leave that area, like, can I be the person that set the example and showed people that it was possible? And it sounds like you did the same. Love it. And, and it was hard because, you know, we are so tight as a family, but it's one of those things that I, I just, I didn't have a choice. Like I had to do it for me and for my soul. Like I felt myself, it was really one of the first times, well, I've had this experience happen to me a couple of times in life that I, I made huge defining life moment, you know, things happen, but I really felt like I was a prisoner in my life. And I'm like, this is not what I'm here to do. Like, this is crazy. You have one chance. And, you know, cancer was the last thing on my mind. I never thought it'd be me. And so finding myself on the other side of the table, I was like, this is like, what the hell is going on? Really? And sitting with that, um, almost like before and after of that like pivotal experience, after, as you're sitting with like the possibility of it, what was it like? And I'm kind of projecting a little bit on you for what I'm experiencing right now. So if this is not your experience, just say that was not my experience. Um, but for me at this point in my life, I'm experiencing like almost what feels like a before and a now. And as I look into the now who I am and who I am giving myself permission to be, not that it's necessarily happening every single day, but who I'm like strongly giving myself permission to be is very different than who I have been. And the reconciliation across the two has been, uh, it continues to be a grieving process of, um, and so I guess that's my question is like, it sounds like it opened up all this possibility. And was there ever a moment where you had to kind of hold both parts of yourself? And what was that? What was that like? Yeah. So When I, you know, I did, and it's when my dad, and he's not going to mind me talking about this. Um, you know, my dad ended up getting sick while I was still in treatment and being the person who was the medical person, it was like, I had to take care of him. So we would literally, it was easier for me to get him diagnosed at, in Boston, but also like I'm biased to Boston. So, um, I brought him to the farm where he got diagnosed. We started his treatment there but he was not comfortable anywhere else except for in his home, in his chair. So for eight weeks, I would literally drive to Connecticut, which is two and a half hours away, pick him up, bring him to Boston, bring him to his appointment and then drive him back home, right? And it was one of those things that like, I wanted to make sure he was good. I wanted to make sure he was taken care of and he was diagnosed and started treatment because I'm a firm believer that you have one shot, right? the way you start your treatment, it will define how your journey goes. So I'm like, there's no time to kind of figure it out. There's no time to go to someone who may be able to help you. And that's really what I support a lot of people with is like, you know what, you need to find the best that's going to work for you. And you need to really just go all in with it. And then when you're good, and you know what you're dealing with, you could go wherever you want to go. And so that's what we did for him. And then we eventually transferred him back down to Connecticut. But my mom doesn't drive, right? She can't drive. That. She's terrified of driving the highway. So it was a moment where I'm like, I know here I am. I want palm trees. And I'm like, I can't leave them. 
And so I moved into my parents' house. I stayed there for a good year with them. And I just, you know, it was that obligation of family and taking care of them and not being sad, mad, or whatever negative emotion came around of the fact of feeling like if I left right now, I would be selfish. So I kind of like held back and waited um, to make sure that he was good before. Cause I knew, you know, you know, you, you talked about it like integrity, right? Like I would be so out of integrity if I was like, see you later, I gotta go. Cause that's not who I define myself to be. So I knew I had to just put my life on hold and pause and, um, and make sure he's good. And, and part of what came from that is I had to leave my job, you know, in Boston because it didn't work. I couldn't help him help me, um, and be living in Boston. So I got creative. I created a job with a biotech company that I could work remotely and still use my education. And so for those listening, like if you're at an impasse in life where you feel like you can't be true to yourself because of your circumstances, then find what you can change in order to just feel like you can make it all work. I was just going to say, I'm so glad, Lori, you're on fire because that was one of, that was a amazing statement and as the half asleep right over here thank you for showing up for this well and and again it's like I I appreciate I needed to hear that that exact thing too because so I have had this dream of I have an RV and so I'm like I think it's awesome that you're looking at I know I'm like oh my gosh so I have this RV it was purchased with my ex-boyfriend and it was a dream that I had that I decided to like allow to come to life in unknowingly the last six months of my relationship. And, and now I have it and it has all these memories attached to it that are, um, you know, beautiful and painful. And I'm, it's my dream that I always wanted, but it's like, there's so much that needs to still be processed for me to, to fully step into what I had been waiting so long to do. And now it's here, but it has all this other stuff attached to it. And, and so I just, I appreciate the conversation because it's a, it's a slow process of really inviting myself to, um, to acknowledge what is there and then to find ways of like, even last night I was like, maybe I'll take the ladder and paint it. Like, neon yellow and like and then all of a sudden I something moved and I was like okay I can start to see how this can become a mine and my mom was an interior designer so I was like can we change some of the, the fabric above this and she's like totally that's so easy and I was like it is um and so I'm slowly I feel like I'm slowly starting to um be able to take the circumstances that aren't exactly the way that I want them to be and, and hold a lot of heaviness and things that I wish weren't there and, and slowly find a way to still own my dream um, and shift it and, and process it. Um, But it's, it's, it's a process. It's a thing. It is not easy. I also, I feel like I'm circling back, but you earlier said to get where you are, you had to sacrifice and let go of a lot. And that is something like, I always want to encourage people like, do it. It'll be worth it. So I want to start with that. But um, even on my little journey, like I was on the road for the past seven months. And I think when people look at it, 
one, they think it's not possible. And it's like, it's absolutely possible for anyone. Like you can make it happen, but that call out of having to sacrifice and like, let go of things. There is, there is a lot of letting go that is required in creating a life for yourself that you want. Like you don't have to let go of it all, but for me, like there's a lot of things and Lori, maybe if you want to even speak to this more, I'd be curious in your experience too, of like, there are things that I want that right now I cannot have both, you know, and not to say that's not something in the future, but it was like, I wanted security. Like I wanted to feel like I had a home to go back to. And it was like, I don't have the financial resources to have both right now. Like I can't hold a place and in California and travel around the world. And, and again, like not from a, that's not po- like not possible because it could be possible, but there were decisions for where I was at in that moment that it was like, I have to let go of certain things to be able to do this other thing. Um, or you all are talking about RVs. It was like, I wanted to get an Airstream, but I didn't have the financial resources to that. So I had to like let go or like parking lot that side of it and realize that I could do it a different way. Um, so I just think I, one, I really appreciate that you called that out. And then two, I would love to hear more about like the letting go side of leaning into your dream and building your ideal life. Yeah. You know, it's really what, what I recognized was it's really a battle between your ego and your true self. Right. So for me, I, I was, oh, I'm an overachiever. I am a self-proclaimed overachiever where if I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it and I'm going to excel at it. And you know what I mean? So um, it's one of those things that like leaving a really prestigious job where no one else in the country with my degree was doing at the time, right? Like I was really a pioneer and letting that go was really hard. To the point that like, even two years later, I'm like, did I do the right thing? Like, I love that job. Right. But then I just had to really recognize like, what's my ego? And then what's my true self? And then when I got really clear on that, um, it makes it so much easier. And then it also allowed me to just let go of any negative feelings that I had around it and know that I did what's right for me now. And that I was really blessed to have the opportunities that I had before. Um, and, and what I got from all of it is I was also looking for approval from people, right? People think I'm crazy for the lifestyle that I want to live and that we've moved so many times. I think I have moved nine or 10 times since my diagnosis. Like it's stupid, right? Um, and people think I'm kind of crazy, but I'm like, if it doesn't fit me emotionally, if, if, if I am not at peace where I am, then it doesn't work. And it took cancer for me to recognize that, right? It's that hit that I needed over the head of like, stop living to everybody else's expectations. Start thinking about what you really want and what lights your soul on fire and go and push towards that and stop with the other nonsense of ego because it just doesn't work. It doesn't work. I would be curious as someone who is maybe on a similar journey where like I, as I'm traveling around, I'm like, I'm just hoping something's going to feel good. And that's going to be my spot. Like what, what do you, have you been looking for? 
And I feel like it's hard to like maybe describe it, at least it's for me. So that's why I'm asking the question of like, how do you know it feels emotionally right? Or maybe it's the opposite, opposition. You just know it feels wrong. So you move on. Exactly. I think it's more of, I, I rec- what I've learned to recognize is the amount of turmoil and the amount of chatter I have going on. Right. So we were in Sarasota and Sarasota is absolutely beautiful. The beaches are spectacular. Um, the environment made me feel at peace, but it wasn't feeding my adventure side. And so I'm like, this is like, we were at home at eight o'clock at night, right? Like we couldn't even go and like have dinner because everything shut down. And I'm like, well, that's not what I want in my life either. So it's one of those things that I invite everybody to look at. What's the conversation? And are you trying to make excuses and try to be like, well, it's good. Yeah, this is good. And if there's like, if you're not cl- standing clear, like if you're not clearly standing in the, this is amazing and I'm at peace, right? Like, it's like that sense of when you close your eyes and you just know, like, you're able to just kind of check in with yourself and, and really see what's going on. Your environment should do that for you too. And if you, you're not able to do that in your environment, then you're in the wrong environment. So much. Sorry, Rachel. I'm just, <laughs> so I'm going to go back to my intro, but this is really interesting. Um, as I've been exploring this too, I'm back in San Luis Obispo, which is where I, I lived for about two and a half years. And then I went on the road trip, blah, blah, blah. People know that. And um, I wear, I have a wearable that tracks like heart rate variability and stuff, and which has been really interesting from like a true metric standpoint. And I realize we talk about like, you don't need something outside to self know your truth, but it's pretty cool. When I come back here, because I've done it twice now since the road trip, they have like a recovery score, which basically says like how recovered your your system is. And no matter, well, maybe not no matter how little of sleep, but like I haven't been sleeping a ton. I'm like super active when I'm here. So I'm really like pushing myself. And I wake up with a really, really high recovery score, like since I've gotten here every single day. And it happened last time I was here too. So it is kind of like interesting when we talk about environment and feeling at peace. And now I have this very like trackable metric, even outside of the fact that like, I feel that right. I can check into my own body and I'm actually like feeling and experiencing that emotionally as well. Um, but then like having the data to show it and it's pretty wild just compared to, I mean, and I love being on the road too, but compared to like the stress of, you know, picking up and, you know, just, you know, all the things are like being in a place that isn't in alignment. Um, and then I'll also add, because I feel like we talk about this, but for a long time, this place didn't feel like it was in alignment with who I was because it wasn't, I think initially, because I was a different person when I came here, um, when I first moved here, but like how that is also like shifted now. And this has become such like a, a safe, calm, rejuvenating place for me. Um, so anyway, I just add that in that it's been really interesting to be able to actually have um, data in addition to like my own emotional experience that backs it in my physical body. It's interesting to watch you at a distance to kind of get to a place where you can, you're starting to own that and just be like, I think you have always known that San Luis Obispo, like even before you left, I think you kind of knew that San Luis Obispo was, was working for you, but you needed to go out and experience all these other places to like reprove it to yourself. But it's been really cool as a friend who's been so close to 
to watch you experience it for yourself and, and to like get that revalidation. And, um, I mean, I told you like a week ago, it's like, I feel I am experiencing you differently in the last week. So it's, it is really interesting how we think that we're like whole, you know, we've got it all under control and no one can really sense anything. And I'm like a really highly sensitive person, but, and we spend a lot of time together, but still it's like, I, even from like across the way could feel it. And I'm like, Oh my God, Janelle's back. Like I can, I can feel it already. It's I can crazy. feel it. Well, and yeah, it, and Laura, you had mentioned like moving in with your parents, but Rachel and I have like had that experience. So I feel like that's another area we could go and just like being in environments that don't work for you. And of course, like I know preface it, but like, I love my family. I love our time together. But when I go back to Wisconsin, I, and I'm sure there's like a many, some like therapists could dive into this too, but like, I feel so out of alignment and just like so out of place and not at peace and like to have that contrast of that and then yeah like coming back here and like I feel it in myself too I'm like I, I feel like I'm fucking back you know and, and that's how I, that's like not, not even just physically back but like emotionally back and that's really how I felt last time too like I was experiencing all this anxiety and turmoil and then I got back here and I was like no, fuck it. I'm back. Like I got this, you know, I got my people, I got my places. And, um, as someone who is also an adventurer and like loves, as we had said, like doing new things, it is also funny too, though, how having like, it's almost like the safety and security and the familiarity and the, the community, um, piece, like how we don't really realize sometimes how those things affect us until we do have the contrast. Like you had mentioned, Rachel, um, and for better or for worse, when you're like missing it and, and when you get it back, it is interesting. So anyway. And in all fairness, your family's also happy when you leave, <laughs> right? They feel the same way. <laughs> Cause right, like part of it is, is, you know, depending on what time and I'm not speaking for all families. I just know my family, they're like, okay, yeah, we love you, but you gotta go, right? And it's one of those things too, is that like, we have worked so hard in evolving ourselves to becoming our true selves that they still see us as like the 10 year old, right? And so their listening of us may not always be in alignment with what we're up to now. And you could kind of explain it to them, but if they haven't physically seen it for themselves or experienced it, like they don't get it. Like my parents are still like, what are you doing? Like you're a what? how are you making, like, how are you making a living out of being a coach? Like, what does that mean? And it's like, and I, every day my dad's like, so are you working? I'm like, yeah, dad, I'm working. (laughs) Right. And they just don't get it because they're used to having a certain, um, having me be a certain way. And they have me in this little box and they don't evolve with us unless they're on the journey with us. So it's one of those things of like, I joke around about it where I'm like, guys, I love you, but I got to go like, see you later. <laughs> Take get back to your normal life. I know I'm disrupting it too. Right. Yeah. I've got my, yeah. I had a similar experience where I was working on like the podcast and a bunch of side creative projects. And I was like, what are you doing today? And I'm there and I'm like, oh, I'm like working. She's like, but you don't have a job. And I'm like, okay, excuse me. <laughs> I do <laughs> kind of it just doesn't pay me yet. Before we jump back into the episode, we wanted to give a shout out to Sohela. Sohela is the chief content 
officer for the Is That So podcast, which Rachel and I were recently guests on. And Rachel shared a little bit more of her story around childhood cancer. We'll drop a link in the show notes for you all to check that out. But we wanted to show some love to our True North Collective community. And if you're interested in another podcast that provides insights on various wellness, travel, and relationship topics aimed to help us all navigate through this rapidly evolving modern world, make sure to check out the Is That So podcast currently in season three, about to launch season four. <laughs> I I will say that... um. So I've been living with my parents for about two months and I wasn't really sure how it was going to go for exactly the reasons you're saying and a lot of others. And I almost did leave a few weeks ago because because of that, because <clears throat> it felt like I wasn't showing up who as how I am. I was almost defaulting to the role and the dynamic that has been expected when I'm around my in, in their space and so I was out of alignment and then also I had never really shown them who I was or given that a chance to exist and in the last two weeks I have has it been two weeks maybe it's been one week oh my gosh time um I shaved my head I knew I wanted to shave my head I shaved my head I did it myself and I I committed to myself that I was going to be honest so like yesterday I went I left for the afternoon for some appointments. <clears throat> when I came back home, I was doing laser hair removal on my bikini area. And normally I'd be like, I don't know if I should have, like that's, that it, I don't know if that's, a, not that if it's okay or not, but like I would either try to say it for shock value or say just say something else to save everyone the awkwardness of like, we're talking about my vulva at the kitchen table, you know, or the whatever. And so they're like, where did you go? I knew they were going to ask. And I was just like, no, Rachel, you've committed that you are just going to be honest because it is okay. So I was like, I was getting a laser hair removal consultant consultation because I need to do some maintenance as a follow-up from my times in Dallas. And I could feel the energy in the room. Like that was really, uh, you just told us that, like, what areas are you <laughs> like all this? I could like, he I could he feel it. And I was just like, I'm going to just like own this. And so to bring in like a slightly different perspective, I've stayed, even though there was a big part of me that was like, you got to go. Like, you're not going to be able to, like, you wanted this time to take a breather and have the healing for yourself. And like, I don't know if this space is conducive for that. Um, but what's happened is they're actually starting to come along with me. So like, I'm like, my mom has started to say stuff to me about, like, I've been exploring my, my own sexuality um, from like a, wh what does it mean? What is my female parts and how do they work? And because I never did that and I never, I don't know, there was not a lot of space to, to like learn that. And so I've, as I'm getting to know who I am truly today, that's part of that. And I've been like, when it comes up, I'll share the experiences with, with my mom mostly because my dad just like, don't talk to me about that, which is fine. Um, and she started to ask questions back or share things back or, or the conversations with my dad have like, I've, I will cry. And he'll be like, I don't, and I can see him tearing up and he's like, I don't want you to be in pain. What can I do? What can I do? And I'm like, the best thing you can do right now is to know that it's okay that I'm crying to let it be okay that I'm in pain. And, um, and so last night he just sat with me and he just brought over the tissues and 
there is like, things are kind of like cracking a little bit. And um, so I guess I, I think what's been cool about that is that I, I know that this isn't my forever. Like I know I'm not here to like do anything except just be here as long as it feels right. Um, and I've been surprised that me really just owning who I am um, without needing to be approved. I know that one too, but like with truly without needing the approval and practicing that or trying to do it as like a rebellious act of like, I fuck you, I can do this different. Um, it, it's like invited everybody along for the ride and I'm, I'm seeing minor evolutions, which is cool. Yeah, I feel like that goes back to when I applauded Lori for being the person that left, right? And like had different modeling. And I know when I was in Wisconsin, what you're describing, I was like, yeah, I can do that different. Like I can come and I'm this evolved person and I can, you know, do the modeling. And then I just snapped back to like a 16 year old version of myself. And I was like, okay. And I'm sure I had like little moments where, you know, I did something different. We had talked about the crying and I think at one point my parents it was the same they're like well we don't want you to be sad and it was like right after I broke up with the guy I was dating and I was just like but I am sad and I need to feel my sadness and like I'm not going to just put it away because it's making you feel uncomfortable or because like we have company over and I'm like sorry I just can't do it so like I will I can leave the room and I did but like I'm not going to come back out and just pretend like I'm okay like I can't do that anymore so there was like you know there was like little parts but um I applaud you Rachel just like being able to to do it different and like show up and I know you're not doing it perfectly or anything but um I think when I went to Wisconsin it's like I got this right like I can not snap back to old patterns and then to just have like the compassion and the grace and to just be able to laugh and be like actually no I completely snap back to a, like a 16 year old version of myself and I forget who said it but like playing the old dynamics of like what it was like to be in that space growing up and knowing that hopefully one day, like I can continue to take the small steps to do it differently. Um, like and maybe the next time I go back, it'll be a little bit better, right? Or like, I'll be a little bit more stronger and more have more conviction and like what I'm trying to do. Um, but then also just, you know, trying to be okay and just like laughing at the fact that I didn't do it this time and I wasn't, I wasn't there yet. <laughs> and it's an evolution. Well, and what's coming up really strongly for me is like, it's not that staying means that you're more evolved and leaving means you're less. It's like each moment calls for whatever it calls for, for you. And, um, you know, like I, I am finding that by staying right now, I am garnering insights that are worth it for me. And it doesn't, come with, you know, the, like I have to let go of what I, <laughs> I have to let go of how I wish it would be when I'm here um, and let it be what it is and, and let myself, let my parents be their imperfect, imperfect selves as well. And, um, you know, there's times that I've now learned how to like love the person and hate the behavior and now, okay, okay, cool. I can actually now meet you at the person that I'm like, it's that I love so dearly. And now we can address the behavior. And that is, a, I've never been able to do that before. And so in the past, if I would have stayed, that wouldn't have been doing the best thing for me because I wasn't ready 
to be able to like sit in my own stuff enough or whatever it was. And in the future, staying isn't going to be the right thing for me either. And so, um, I don't, I, I guess that I just, I just wanted to say there isn't one way and it isn't the same every time. And so it really has been for me having to, I keep saying this this year, it's like slow down so much that I can actually like be with myself enough and let myself feel what I'm feeling so that I can, you know, acknowledge it and then actually decide what I want to do with it and what feels right from the most authentic way I can. And then have compassion when I don't and try again every single day. <laughs> I, and it's like, what are you battling with? Because for me, the current thing I'm battling with is seeking safety in others and not cultivating safety and trust on my own. And like really being able to stand on my own and be like, I got this, I got me, I can make money on my own. I don't need the, I mean, and that's also like, I don't know, or finding it in like different ways. Cause I've leaned on romantic partners and I've leaned on my family, like my entire life. We've kind of talked about this, but like getting like handed off from like one person that takes care of you to like this other person that's supposed to quote unquote, take care of me. So for me, like leaving, when I checked in, I was like, staying here is me playing it small and like trying to seek security in a way that I have tried before. And it's not the way I want to do it moving forward. So anyway, for what, you know, for what it is, it's like, we all got our own thing that we're working on. And that's why it is. You got to like check in and first, like you said, for you, like staying might actually be exactly what you need right now. And for me, like when I really, really checked in, it was like, I'm like, maybe one day I will, I'm sure deal with like a lot of the things that came up, but like in this moment, this is not what I need. Like going is the correct choice. Leaving is the correct choice for me to get to that next step level rendition loop of the figure eight infinity symbol, you know, whatever you want to call it. And the great part about it, right. And, and I love the fact that you're like a, di a dichotomy, right? Like you're both at two completely different um, ends of the spectrum, but it's all the same. It's you listening to yourself. It's you listening to who you want to be, like who you are, who you want to be in the future, and really just being courageous enough to stand there and be like, okay, this is what I'm going to do. Like the fact that you're willing to be so open with your parents really is, is a testament to who you are, like the work that you've done and the commitment you are for yourselves and also standing in the courage of like, no, I'm going to show them my true self. But that's the same for when you're like, this isn't working for me. Like, I got to go, right? And I think we as, until you get yourself to a spot where you're doing that self-work, you know, um, of your own evolution, you stay and you deal with circumstances that you feel obligated to. And so it, the power of choice is so huge that that's what I hear from both of you, right? And like, as a person, we have to really just sit in the fact that you have a choice in every single moment, like every decision, every circumstance, everything that happens to you, you have a choice on how you're going to react. And you need to make sure that you're in alignment with yourself every time you do. Yeah, it kind of comes back to the ego versus true self that you were talking about earlier. That's like what's coming through for me is just really recognizing like, what's the decision that's actually serving my ego? And what's the, the decision that is the one that I actually need to make right now? Um, I'm totally going to take that with me. And, and I'm thinking about 
the cancer story piece too. And just, um, I think even with that, there's like so many things I told myself of how it should have been. And the more that I just embrace, like the way that I responded to it was actually how my highest, you know, highest self, you know, was actually what was needed in order for me to be able to stand here today and wrestle with my story. You know, like there's, I think that I always shamed myself for not, for it not looking a certain way. Um, like Janelle, sometimes I hear from you, like someday I'll be able to go back and deal with it, but it's like, maybe it's forcing that dealing with it is actually not like what is supposed to happen. Like if I would have tried to deal with the stuff that I was going through sooner than now, like I, it would, it would have been fake. It would have been forced. It would have been performative. And, and so that actually could have held me back a lot more. And so, um, as much as I think it is, you know, I'm, I'm very much in the space of like, let me see what's here and let me, you know, process it and let me integrate it and let me, you know, and let's do it. And where else are those gaps so that I can like get there? Um, you know, there's a lot of people that don't and are still okay. And maybe there are aspects of these things that aren't meant for me to like fully process everything, you know, it's like trying to do that is stopping me from living. And so it's like, do what I can and also make sure that I'm um, present to this life that I'm getting to experience. Um, so anyways, that's came up for me while, while we were talking about, um, that as it relates to cancer. Cause I was just like, man, I really shit on myself for a long time about taking too long to have gotten to a young adult cancer group or like get, get support. And like, really, I, I, if I had gone, maybe if I had gone sooner or tried to force it sooner, it would have actually done more damage. And so, um, maybe it needed to be exactly that for myself. Yeah. And we all have our own stories like that, right? Like, so for me, I was a complete withhold to everybody in my life. I had selected people in which I shared my news to, and I blocked out like some people that are really important to me where I'm like, I can't, I can't share this news with them. And it's not because I didn't feel that they couldn't handle it. It was just, there was something there in my space with whatever I was dealing with at the time that was like, don't tell anybody, like go through it, get people that you need that are going to support you for immediate things. And then once you're good, it, it honestly, for me, what it was is I couldn't handle everybody else's emotions around what I was dealing with. So I didn't tell anybody. And I really pissed a lot of people off. Like it's to the point that I'm, some of my relationships still are not the same because I didn't share it. And they were so upset that I wouldn't share such a big thing with them. And they were upset that they couldn't be there to support me. But what they failed to recognize is that I'm like, I was doing that for me, right? Like I needed not to tell people because I didn't want my everyday life. I, I wanted to have people that weren't going to look at me with like pity or like, oh, you know what I mean? I needed people to just act normal around me. And I didn't want to have to deal with whatever came up for them, right? Like, I'll never forget. I told one of my friends who I love dearly. And like, I think if she knew that this is how it impacted me, she'd be really upset, right? But I figured I'm like, okay, she's a nurse. She deals with a lot of stuff. Like she might be an asset to me 
you know, in my recovery, I'm like, so I'm going to tell her like, so I made a conscious choice and I went against me not telling her. I hadn't told her for a while. And then when I did tell her, you know, she broke down in tears, told me about how the reason why I have breast cancer is because I didn't have children in my life. And this is what happens when women don't have kids and like went down this road that I just did not need to hear. And I sat there and I remember saying to myself, this is why I didn't do it. This was a mistake, right? Because now it's not about me and me healing. I now needed to help her. And it's like, as a person who is 1000% a helper, right? Like I know my demons. I know that I will literally give people the shirt off my back. So they're good. And like take away from my own well-being. And it's one of those things that I sat there and I was like, like I understood why I didn't, but people still to this day don't understand why I, I couldn't share it. Even though I'm an open book about it now. Right. But back then I couldn't, I couldn't do it. Self-preservation. So I feel that that ties into what you're talking about. Like there's a time and a place now I'll tell everybody anything. Like you want to know what happened? Like, I'll tell you, I'll give you all the dirty nitty gritty stuff about it. But back then I knew I couldn't. You talk a lot about like honoring your story and your experience. And I think that goes with it too. Like when you're in it, but I I just think that like, so what you're saying though, I'll back up is I think it's so important and I'm taking this message for myself because it is so easy to live our life, obviously through our own perception of everything. And um, in my last relationship, something that just kept coming up is like, you're making something about you that like, isn't about you in relationships. And that's like what your story is reminding me of as like a friend. I think my initial reaction too would be like, oh my gosh, like you didn't, you didn't tell me this means something about me. This means something about our relationship. This means that I wasn't worthy enough to hear your story or, you know, like whatever a lot, you know, like, you know, where we tell ourselves in our head or like the demons you said that we're battling. And when the reality actually was that you were just taking care of yourself in the best way possible. And that is like so beautiful, but yet we attach all this like additional meaning to things that really starts to muddy the water unless we can potentially own it and be like, oh, I see what's happening. This has nothing to do with Lori. This has nothing to do with like my relationship with Lori. This actually has everything to do with me and my own shit. And like, how do I start to own and take care of that? And that is something we're not really taught and no one like brings it up because again, like I would have probably responded the exact same way until I've started to like get into some of the work and people have showed me other things or even when people call me out on it I had someone recently do it they're like you're you're making this about you and you're like I was like yep I am making this about me and it actually this is not my story you are just over there doing their shit and I'm making your shit about me and that is not true Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's true in every facet of life, right? So whether it's your, your relationships, your romantic relationships, your, you know, your work relationships, it's just like, as humans, it it goes back to that ego and self, right? Like, who who do you want to be for people? And it's fine to, to, you know, it's, it's having that conscious choice It's having the awareness, I guess I should say, of recognizing when you're coming from your ego and when you're coming from your true self. And if, if the ego is where you want to go, then it's totally fine. But then own the fact that that's how you're going to respond, right? And if you want to respond from your true self, 
then respond from there. But people need to have it as a conscious choice. And I think that that's something that people struggle with too. Well, and like we've talked, I think really recently about how it's then really easy to villainize the ego and be like, ego's bad and the true self is good. And it's like, no, like actually ego helps, has helped me to be able to like push myself to think that I can do things that I may not have otherwise done. (laughs) And like, so uh, that it is, there's a time and a place for it. And um, so I love your call out of like, you know, sometimes it is time to lean into that ego, be aware of it, choose it and have it be a conscious decision, not, not a default decision. And um, maybe that's the bigger thing. It's not ego or self. It's like, are you consciously choosing it or not? Um, Yeah. Are you checked out or are you actually present to what you want and showing up for it? Yeah. Because I mean, in your, we can go back to your example, Lori, to it's like, okay, I'm your friend and what I want to do, like my, my ego is saying like, oh, that like, I didn't, you know, I wasn't told this thing, but like my, I could choose that, or I could choose that. I want to be like a good friend and come from compassion and understanding. And I want to make sure that this relationship stays, you know, I don't know, like holds not the right word, but like, I don't know, progressing forward strong whatever you want to you know you want to say so like can I then lean into the other like that intention versus like yeah seeing it through my own lens or like again making it about me yeah and one of the things too that's coming up for me too is that like everybody responds differently to trauma right so whether you are the person that's undergoing cancer like we don't want people to be part of this club right like I don't want anybody ever to be part of this club because it sucks, right? But if you are, then we're gonna embrace you and we'll welcome you and we'll support you along the way. But also what people forget too is that the people who are in your life dealing with you going through this have their own thoughts about it. And sometimes people can't handle you going through it and they have behavior that's not in alignment with who they are, but that just supports them during that time, right? So it's like, whether it's, you know, we hear it all the time about spouses, like either stepping out of the relationship or like being mean or like whatever. It's like, what I want people to recognize is that it's them, it's their coping mechanism because they care so much, right? Or maybe they don't, but like for for the people that care so much, they don't know what else to do and they're stuck and they don't, they haven't done the work in order to recognize that they need to get some support around it. And so they they act out in their own way. And it's like people, you know, ask me this question a lot of like, well, how do you deal with that? It's like, well, you get to choose. choose. If, you, if you decide that their behavior is something that makes you feel terrible, then you shouldn't continue. But if it's something that you can forgive and let, recognize that they're human and you wanna work on it, then work on it. But it's it's not always, there's so much gray You know, there's so much gray in all of it that I feel like we need to just, everybody just needs to take it down a notch and not be so like rigid about what it's going to look like. I was going to say, even just the, again, going back to that example of like, you're the friend, your ego is triggered or whatever, if something is being triggered in you and now you're having to sit, especially at the beginning, I'll speak from I, like of, oh, now I recognize that I actually want to be 
connected to this person. I do really care, but I'm having like some intense trigger things happening. And I want to make this, I don't want to make this about me, but like, I don't know how not to. And, and so yes, being able to lean into, you know, who you want to be in that moment. And maybe you're able to, um, you know, find that compassion and work through it and process. But at first, like, I guess what is coming up is like giving yourself the respect to honor you, the, the ego response that's coming up too. Like you're not a piece of shit because you're making it about you. That just means, Hey, I actually need to get some support right now. So what do I need to do knowing that this other person is suffering? I've now been triggered. I want to be there for this person. Um, and so not bypassing the fact that like, there is stuff there for you to get support and love on as well. And it happens on like both sides. And, um, so I guess, yeah, that just felt important. Cause I do think it's, it, I think historically it's been easy to go find that compassion and just like, you need to be the compassionate person because that's like going to cultivate all this stuff. But if you're doing it at the expense of your actual experience, then that's performative. And then that actually doesn't work either. And then there's resentment and all the things that come with it. So um, it, it does kind of go back to what I was saying, at least for me right now, how I've been able to manage that is really inviting myself to practice like seeing the person versus the behavior or the person versus the situation so that I can kind of almost table like, okay, I'm going to siphon off the part that is like that I need to address at another point in time. And can I be here with the person that I'm connecting to knowing that I am going to handle this? We're going to handle this. It's going to happen. It just isn't going to happen right now. And if it does, I'll clean up my mess. But (laughs) so anyways, it is complicated. But then when you can kind of start to like peel it back a little bit and have the language of like, okay, here's kind of what's going on maybe. Um, Now we can start to enter into that gray area without it just feeling like this abyss of like, no, there's so much stuff in here. I can't even know like the floor from the ceiling. Yeah. I feel like the honesty piece is coming up for me too. Like being honest. And then I, I said this and I'm still really proud of it. So I'm going to say that I said it again, but it was in a relationship and like, I, we were basically doing the same thing. We were just like triggering each other back and forth. And someone's like, this is like this thing. And then but I was like, can you trust that I can handle my own shit? Like I'm being honest with you about this because it's there for me. And can you trust that I can handle it? And like, I will deal with it in my own way. And if you can't, that's fine too. But like, it's my stuff. So, and I'm just being honest because like, we need to be honest here and have it out on the table. So, and I I wish, and I'm, no. I don't wish. I don't wish. I don't hope. I am active. No, you can hope and you can wish all you want. This is like a byline. This is, yes. <laughs> this is a thing. Okay. I, I totally, I'm going to just like sidetrack completely. There's a chain smoker song that I'm in love with right now. And it's called hope. And Rachel and I have a thing with hope. And one of the main lyrics is that wasn't love. That was just hope. And it's basically about how like the relationship was Boom. anyway. So, uh, <laughs> I'm all, huh, that hits hard. Uh, But anyway, I am actively trying to cultivate a life and relationships in my life where that gets to be the dynamic, where we can be honest, we can be ourselves, and then we can also trust 
like I can trust myself that I will take care of my shit and I can also trust that the other person either will or I guess they won't but then I'll know if I it's time to exit if they don't you know I mean no matter what they're doing they are taking care of their exactly. shit it just might not look the way that you yeah. want it to look <laughs> exactly so like can I just trust that it's all good exactly still experience the experience that's I guess what I'm getting at <laughs> and I I love that because you know without honesty you know it, it's really comes down to integrity about who you are as a being and who they are and and you can't have you know, it's like that saying, you can't put frosting on a mud pie, right? Like if they aren't willing to recognize their own things that they need to work on, you could try all you want to have an open and honest and trusting relationship, but it's never going to be there if they're not willing to do the work. And it's not that they have to be there now. It's just, they have to be open to the fact that, you know what, this is kind of like a thing that's coming up for me. And like, let's talk about it. Right. And, and secrets never, they never work, right? Like there's, they're always in the space and it causes so much, so much problems, so many problems. It's terrible. Yeah. And I just can't do Like I'm getting to the point where I can't do it anymore too. And I know Rachel, I think you've said that Laurie, I'm sure it's the same, but like once you start down this like journey of like, and you stop, it's just like, I can't pretend anymore. Like I even, I'm like applying for a lot of jobs right now. And in the application process, it's like, I could perform and I could put on, this like overly professional front or like say all the right things. I know how to do that, but I don't want to anymore. Like I just want to be like, okay, this is me. Like, this is actually what it would look like to work with me. Like, this is who I am. This is my personality. Like I could be this person for you and you'd give me the job, but like, I don't, I don't really want to. So <laughs> can you handle it? And if you can't, like, which most people have not been able to. <laughs> I'm also trying to learn how to like accept that too and just like move on. But yeah, the detachment pieces. Mm-hmm. That's the very... sticky part. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Well, I want to be honoring of time. <clears throat> and Lori, this conversation, um, I mean, I had no idea where it was going to go, but it, um, I love when a topic that seems like it's so narrow, um, like cancer actually and it, not just cancer, but like anything, uh, it can have such parallels to like so many facets of life where we can get to the essence of like the experience of any like major change that you transition. And that could be self-imposed or imposed upon, um, you know, how do you work with that? And I think, um, I really appreciate you for kind of going there with us. This has been a really cool conversation. Thank you so much for having me. Like this, this has been so, so fun. And I love the fact that you're able to, you know, have laughter be a part of it and just make it so jovial and, and, you know, it's a difficult topic. So to keep it light and to just keep it real, is just really fantastic. And it's a testament to who you guys are. So thank you. This was an honor to be here. Yeah. Thank you, Lori. And thank you for dealing with my brain being half asleep for the first like 30 minutes. (laughs) It may or may not have been my favorite part. (laughs) (laughs) Great. Love it. I'm going to edit this one back and just like cringe, but I'm glad that you both enjoyed it. Don't edit it out. It's so I'm not good. going to, but I'm going to cringe. I'll probably just like not even touch it. But anyway, so Lori, we have, we have questions that we end with. Um, and the first one is how do you live your true North in one word? Integrity. Love, love. That's the word coming up for me right now. 
And if people would like to listen to your podcast, connect with you, sync up with you, where are all the places that they can do that? You know, everything's on my website. So I kept it simple, lauriemarini.com. So there is an email um, that I actually personally respond to. There's a phone number you could personally call me at. Um, there should be a link to my podcast there, but I'm on iTunes conversations with courageous cancer warriors. Um, and yeah, just anybody who's, who's, who's in a spot, you need some help. Come on over. I'd, I'd love to just support you and, and be a kind ear for you. Awesome. You, did you, do you have, um, like, I, I can't think of a better word than like community gatherings or circles where people can be a part of these types of conversations with you? You know, I guess. I do have a Facebook group in which we kind of talk about it's, it's like accountability for lack of a better word of like, okay, what are you up to in your life and how can we support you? So I definitely have that. Um, I have some group, um, I have some things in the works that are coming, um, but I definitely, and that's going to be a part of it for sure. So it's everybody stay tuned because um, yeah, I'm trying to just make it all happen and, you know, Totally. One thing yeah. at a time is yeah. <laughs> what I, I'm like one minute at a time, Rachel, one second at a time. <laughs> cool. I love that. Well, thank you so much for being here with us and sharing your, your heart and soul. It's thank an you. honor. It really is. Thank um, you. You guys are like amazing. And this is a definitely, um, a see you later and not a goodbye. hundred <laughs> percent. Yes. Appreciate it. All right. Bye. This has been another episode of the True North Collective podcast. For more from Rachel and I, check us out on the gram at the True North Collective underscore. And make sure you're signed up for our mailing list. You can do that at thetruenorthcollective.org to stay up to date on all of our resources, tools, and upcoming events. We appreciate you being here with us. We'll see you next time.